here's the question we're going to be looking at today is how do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you really know when it's his voice that's speaking to you? How many have ever asked that or heard someone ask it? We all have, right? I love that question. I think it's a great question. I really think it's a vital question because we've all seen examples, either in our lifetime or down through history, where people have done some pretty crazy and destructive things in the name of, well, God told me to, right? Well, God told me to. That's what and how cults get started. That's how wars get started. So I just want to say up front, I think when it comes to that statement, well, God told me to, we as believers need to be real careful when we say, well, God told me to, because in actuality, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it wasn't God that told you to do whatever. How do you know? How do you know it's God speaking to us and maybe not your emotions speaking to you? That's a good one. How do you know it's maybe not that bad burrito you had last night or that bad pizza you had last night before you went to bed? And how many of you have said something like, God, if you're listening to me in my prayer, make that red light turn green right now. Or God, if you're listening to my prayer, make my phone ring right now or something like that. Probably most of us have said something like that. I heard another story about a lady up north that thought she would try her hand at ice fishing. So she went out on the ice and she cut a hole through the ice. As soon as she cut the hole through the ice, she heard this loud voice say, there are no fish under the ice. She looked around and thought, that was amazing. Could that have been God? After a while, she thought, well, it must have been my imagination. So she moves over and drills another hole through the ice. Another loud voice uh, yells out, there are no fish under the ice. And this time she goes, wait a minute. God, is that you? Which, which a voice came back, no. This is the ice rink manager. <laughs> I know you guys are thinking that guy is on a trend against the ladies today. Two lady jokes in a row. Let me just tell you, I'll get even with you guys later. Amen. My point is the Lord is speaking to us constantly. He is actually trying to give us guidance and direction constantly. And let's just say it's never the Lord that's not speaking. He's always speaking. It's us that aren't listening. It's us that aren't hearing. And I want to give you a couple reasons, I believe, why we have a hard time listening to and for the voice of God. The first one is, if you're taking notes, we might be afraid of what he's going to say. We're thinking, what if he asked me to do something I don't want to do? What if he asked me to do something that I really don't want to do? That kind of attitude shows a lack of trust and a lack of understanding that God's plans for our life are the best plans. God's plans for our life are the best options. And number two, if you're taking notes, we could be angry with the Lord. Maybe if God has upset us somewhere in the past, done something, or we think, and we blame God, maybe right now we're not really into hearing whatever God has to say to us. And number three, we could have a rebellious heart. We could have a rebellious spirit. If we're refusing maybe to give up some sin that's in our life, we're definitely not going to want to hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's just the way it works. When we're doing something wrong, we don't want to hear the Holy Spirit tell us we're doing something wrong. That's our human nature. You realize that Jesus said some pretty radical, crazy things uh, about hearing his voice in John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. He's describing himself as the shepherd of the sheep. He's also describing himself as the only way, the only way into the sheepfold. Look what he says in verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Did you notice in verse 3, he says his sheep hear his voice. He didn't say his sheep can hear his voice. He didn't even say his sheep should hear his voice. He emphatically said his sheep hear his voice. They do hear his voice. I think many of us as Christians, we have a problem with that statement, mainly because sometimes it's not lining up with our experience. But let me just tell you, it's not what Jesus said that was wrong. Because we can and will hear the voice of God as believers. The only problem is many times we don't recognize it when it comes as being the voice of God. Amen? So if you want to hear from God, I want to give you a couple things that help, might help you tune in and tune in to God's frequency. This morning, if you're taking notes, number one is fix your receiver. You might have a receiver problem in your life today. I remember, and I'm going to tell on some of us as being old, but I remember when I was a kid growing up, we only had three channels on the television set. Remember those days? Yeah. Three channels on the television set, and you had to get up to actually change the channel, right? We didn't have a remote control back then. Well, I guess we did. I was my dad's remote control. It was like, son, get in here and change that channel. And sometimes you actually had to work at tuning in that station. And some of you are way too young to remember this, but we had this little, these little things sitting on top of our TV sets. Remember? Rabbit ears? Some of you have no clue. They were antennas. And sometimes to help you get better reception, we would wrap them in something. Remember that? Aluminum foil, the best invention ever made to help you get the right reception. What I'm saying is you had to find the right frequency. You had to turn the receiver on. You had to tune into God's frequency uh, because you didn't question whether or not the station was broadcasting it. You knew it was, but you had to do your part. You had to do your part to tune in to, God, to that frequency, that station's frequency. Radio and television stations are... Uh, transmitting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if we're not hearing the signal, it's because we don't have our receivers turned on and we're not tuned in to the frequency, right? Well, the truth is the same is true with God. The same is absolutely true with God because He's constantly, all the time, 24-7, transmitting the voice of His signal to His sheep. But most of the time, we're not tuned in. We're, we don't have our receivers turned on and we're not tuned in. Because I think most Christians are out there busy uh, uh, praying, God, please transmit. God, transmit me a message. Transmit me a word. Transmit me a word. And he's transmitting. It's not a transmission problem. It's actually a receptive problem. Reception problem. We're not receiving the signals. They're out there. We're just not picking them up. Picking them up. And you know why? Because there's a whole lot of other competing noise in this world. There's a whole lot of other competing signals in this world, and one of the reasons I think we have a real hard time discerning the voice of God is because we're listening to all those voices. We're listening to all those uh, other uh, messages out there because there are a whole lot of those noise that noises that confuse us. So it's simply my first point, fix your receiver. Fix your receiver. And I would say, picking on all of us this morning, Every Christian in this world today is way too busy. I think our lives are not even conducive to hearing uh, the voice of God. I mean, think about it. Nine out of ten times when somebody asks you a simple question, how are you, what's our answer? I'm busy. I'm busier than ever before. 
And with all the modern technology uh, that's out there that's supposed to make our lives easier, what has it done? It's made our lives busier. It's made our lives busier than ever before. I think we've had, we have less time than ever before. And that's one of the biggest reasons of all the reasons that we're not tuning into God, that we're not hearing God's voice. We're just too busy. That's why I love Psalms 46, verse 10, this little uh, verse that's so powerful. And this is God speaking. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Because it's in the stillness, not the busyness, that we tune our spiritual ears in to be able to hear God's voice. And I don't know about you, but I find mornings are the best time to meet with God. Amen? Not always the easiest time, but the best time to meet with God. There's nothing better than starting your day out with God. I believe that's key, especially before we get caught up in and our minds get clouded with all the noise and busyness of life. So it's a good thing to start with God first thing in the morning. But I think one of our biggest problems in our culture today are our cell phones. Biggest problem in our culture today because many times the first thing we reach for even before we get out of bed as soon as we wake up is our cell phone and you start scrolling through uh, Facebook. You want to get your minds off of Jesus Christ in a hurry? Get on Facebook for five minutes because that Facebook is going, that five minutes on Facebook is going to turn into 30 or 40 minutes on Facebook, right? And during that time you've been in uh, two arguments with people uh, and during that time, you've taken a personality test that tells you that your spirit animal is a Kentucky hedgehog, and you don't know what that is. <laughs> so you're, you're going to Google it, spend the next 15 minutes uh, Googling that, and then you think, well, while I'm here, I might as well check out my Instagram. You waste another 20, 30 minutes there, and you're just like, gosh, I might as well go ahead and check my e email. Waste another 30 minutes there. Before you know it, that five minutes on Facebook turned into two hours on Facebook. And then you look up at the clock and say, wow, i got to get to work. i got to get my shower and get going. Amen or ouch. We're guilty, right? I mean, it's the culture that we live in today. So I'm just saying if you want to hear from God, you've got to be still. I didn't say it. God said it. If you want to hear from God, you've got to be still and you've got to listen. What I'm saying is we have to deliberately create an atmosphere to hear the voice of God. It's not going to be automatic. It's not just going to happen. And to listen, we need to know about a few things. I'm going to give you those this morning. If you're taking notes, the first thing is when you, when you pray, expect to hear from God. When you pray, expect to hear from God. Some people will, will say, uh, Pastor, God just doesn't speak to me. He might speak to you, but he sure doesn't speak to me. And other people think... Uh, well, God doesn't even speak today. Well, if that's the case, you're definitely not going to be listening for his voice. But let me give you a heads up today. Even if you don't believe it, feel it, or know that he speaks to you, he does. In fact, I believe with all of my heart he's speaking to this whole room right now. But if you're not expecting to hear from him, guess what? You don't have your receiver turned on and you're not tuned in. And chances are you could miss what God has to say for you in your life today. He's speaking. Are we listening? Let me ask you this. Is the reason you have a hard time praying or having a hard time having a consistent prayer life is because when you pray, you don't really expect anything to happen. You don't really expect anything to change. Well, remember this verse in the Bible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we're praying, you have to have faith that he's hearing. And you also have to have faith that not only does he hear, but he wants to speak back. He wants to speak into your heart, into your life. 
We just need to start listening. Make the time to start listening. Is that easy? Not at all. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus. And I'll just be clear. God's not going to yell and scream and make us pay attention. As I just said, he speaks to us in a still, small voice. He's always speaking, but many times we need to lean in and get close to God to actually hear what he's trying to say to us. Anyway, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 God is getting ready to reveal himself to Elijah the prophet. Listen to what it says. The Lord said, Go out, Elijah, and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I'm thinking of Elijah. I'm sure he's standing there with this huge expectation of what God's about to do. He's thinking, I'm up here on this mountaintop. God's getting ready to reveal himself in a huge way. Let me read on. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. So Elijah's probably thinking, yep, here he comes. Shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, King James says a still small voice, What am I saying? Divine silence doesn't necessarily mean divine absence on God's part. Amen? Just because you're not hearing him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because you're not seeing him doesn't mean he's not there. But we might be asking, why the whisper, God? You're almighty. You're all-powerful. You could thunder down your voice from heaven. Why the whisper? I think he whispers to show us how close he is to us. How close he wants to be to us in our life. The truth is he doesn't have to speak any louder than that because you don't have to shout at someone that's near you. Amen? And to hear someone's whisper, you don't have to shout. You don't have to shout to those that are near you. Whispering doesn't work very well if you're whispering to somebody all the way across the room. What this scripture tells me is that God does not want a long-distance relationship with you and me. He wants a close, intimate relationship. He doesn't like these long-distance things. He wants to be so close to us and our heart that he can catch our attention with just a whisper. He wants us to be still and listen, and he wants us to have faith and believe. But I think our problem, every one of us at times, we're just looking for God to speak to us in this clap of lightning, in this burning bush. Can he do that? Yes, and he has. But if you're only looking for God to speak in all the bells and whistles, unfortunately, many times you're going to miss him. Because when you're looking for the lightning and the thunder and the fire, God is the still small voice, that little bitty whisper. The second thing when it comes to hearing God's voice is learn to discern his voice. Learn to discern his voice. If your spouse or your closest friend calls you up on the telephone, do you think you're going to usually recognize their voice before they tell you who it is? And I'm not talking about caller ID, amen? I'm talking about their voice. Because you have been around that person and spent enough time with that person that you know and recognize their voice. You even recognize how they put their words together. You recognize their accent. And it's become so well known to you that it's easy to recognize. Do you realize the same thing is true with our relationship with God? He wants that to be true with our relationship with Him. If you want to get to the place in your life where you're not questioning whose voice you're listening to, whether it's yours or Satan's or God's, you need to spend time with the Lord. 
not just a little bit of time, you need to spend a lot of time with God. Because if you keep filling your mind with all the things of this world, you're going to have a hard time telling the difference between God's voice or the Spirit of God and your own voice or your own thoughts. That's a definition, the Bible says, of having a carnal mind, which is a mind that has not been renewed by the Word of God. The more time you spend with God, the more confident you're going to become that whenever you hear a voice speaking, you know it is God or you know it isn't God. The more confident you're going to be that His is the voice that's speaking. And it's not only you talking to God. You know, our problem is we're all guilty. Whenever we go into prayer, we come out with this prayer list. It's like a scroll that starts and hits the floor and rolls down the aisle. And all we do is do all the talking. You know, prayer is a two-way street. We do some talking. Yes, that's our part. But we need to give God time to speak to us. We need to be listening. I love what uh, God said in Matthew 17, verse 5. He's talking about His Son, Jesus. He said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. So not only do we talk in prayer, but we also are to listen. Take time to listen. If you're still taking notes, the third way to know you're hearing God's voice is to line it up with the Word. Line it up with the Word, the Bible. 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture, not just some, not just part, but all Scripture is inspired by God. So in this word from Genesis to Revelation, every bit of that word is inspired by God. One sure way to know that you're hearing God's voice is to line up what you're hearing with the Word of God. Does it match or does it not match? God's never ever going to tell you to do, say, or think anything that's contrary to His Word. So if you ever run across something that you're questioning and you wonder, is this God or is this something else? Go to the Word. Test it with the Word. Find out if it's the Word or not. And if it's not the Word, then it's not God. Amen? Think about that. God's, word is always, God's voice is always consistent with His Word. Any and every message that you will ever hear has to be confirmed in Scripture already. It's already got to be written in Scripture or it's not accurate. It's not valid. And the Spirit of God is only going to tell you to do things that are going to bring you into an, a more abundant life. Every change that He tells you to make in your life is designed to bring blessing. It's, dry, it's designed to minister mercy and grace into your life. So He's not about to tell you to refuse to, to uh, forgive someone. He won't do that. He's not about to tell you to go out and spend your money, money foolishly. He's not going to do that. Or anything else that's contrary to what He's already said in His Word. Because God always agrees with His written Word. And his written word always agrees with him. Take a look at Psalms 138, verse 2. It says, He has magnified his word even above his name. He has magnified his word even above his name. That means that God has put his name on his written word the way that we would put our name on the bottom of a contract. Because God has given us his word as a contract, as, actually as a covenant, and signed it in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and since God, the Scripture says, is not a man that he could ever lie, he can never, it's not even possible for God to lie, there's no way he's going to ever do or say anything that's contrary to his word. He is absolutely joined. He is absolutely faithful and bound to his word. If he said it, he's going to perform it. So I'm just trying to bring out a point that God trains us to recognize his voice through his written word. And I believe he uses us uses it to help us tune our spiritual ears into the things that are real so that we'll recognize when things aren't real. Jesus kind of encountered one of these questions 
similar to this in uh, uh, John chapter 14. Uh, Philip asked him a question. Listen to Philip's question. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Do you hear what Philip is really saying, reading between the lines? He's saying, Jesus, we want to hear straight from the horse's mouth. He's basically saying, show us who God is. Show us what God would say. And if you'll just show us, then we know. We'll know. I love Jesus' response in verse 9. He says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Have I been with you? And he was with Philip a lot of time. Have I been with you, Philip, all this time, and you still don't know who I am? And then he says these, four ver these very powerful words, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, I'm fully God. I'm fully man, but I'm also fully God. Anyone that has seen me has seen the Father. He's saying, if you, know what, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. If you want to know what God sounds like and what God says, listen to me. If you want to know how God responds to people, Jesus says, just look at me and how I respond to people. And then you'll begin to know what God is like. So I could bring out some different responses to his word and hearing his word. I could say that uh, the word of God, we hear the voice of God through his spirit, and we do. I could say that we hear the voice of God through uh, his word, and we do. I could say we hear the voice of God through other people that confirm and affirm different things that God has told us along the way. People that love Jesus, people that love you and care for you. I can't tell you how many times in my life that God has put people along the way in my journey of life that had the exact word I needed to hear. It wasn't their word, it was a God word. They were in tune with God to hear what not only they needed to hear, but what I needed to hear from God. But I would say this, the point above all the points so far is the key. This point is get to know Jesus. In your journey of faith, get to know Jesus. Don't be satisfied with just knowing about Jesus. That won't get it. That won't cut it. You've got to get to know Jesus. You know, in the four biographies of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the one that I would point you to today, especially if you're young in Christianity or young in reading the Bible, I would point you to the Gospel of John because I think John does the absolute best job of describing who Jesus is. Uh, the others are great, but I think John brings this personal connection to, to reveal who Jesus is and reveal his heart to us. And do you realize God will never say or do anything that doesn't sound just like Jesus? Because they are one and the same. So if you want to know what that would be and find out what that would be in your life, how's that going to happen? How's that going to take place? Spending time with Jesus. Spending a lot of time with Jesus. Getting to know Him, and getting to know Him through time spent with Him, through time spent with His Word. Because when you'll take the time to check your receiver, find time to tune into His frequency, learn to discern His voice, and line up what you're hearing with the Word of God, guess what? Hearing God's voice won't be just an occasional thing that happens once in a while. It will be a lifestyle. It will be a brand new lifestyle of communication with God. And when someone asks you, when someone asks you what the Spirit of God is telling you, you won't even have to think. It'll be right there. Because you've spent so much time with Jesus that you know what the answer is. Jesus came to this earth, we'd all agree, to do the Father's will. Amen? But He also came to this earth to represent the Father. He came to represent the Father here on this earth so that you and I could know what it's like to have God with us. Remember God with us, Emmanuel? 
God came to this earth so that we, through Jesus Christ so that we would know what He's like and what He does. Today we're going to celebrate the greatest event in history, the greatest gift ever given, the greatest sacrifice ever made in a time of communion. God did all that He did for humanity. God did everything that He did for you and me. And to set communion up, and I'm going to have you stay seated today because right after uh, this story, uh, I'm going to have the ushers come and they're going to serve us communion. But to set communion up today, I heard a story, and it goes way back, way back to the 19th century, when Ireland was stricken with a potato famine. And because of that horrible famine, many Irish people immigrated to America, and a young Irish boy stowed away on an American-bound ship. Well, at sea, during that travel, during that journey, the ship struck an iceberg and began to sink as people scrambled frantically for the lifeboats. When he looked the ship took, when people scrambled frantically for the lifeboats, the ship's captain organized the rescue mission and was the last to leave the sinking ship. But as they were leaving in that lifeboat, he looked back at that sinking ship and he saw that little stowaway boy coming out of hiding. And he bravely turned that lifeboat around and went back to that sinking ship. And the captain stepped off of that sinking ship and rescued that boy and took that boy and put him in his lifeboat seat the only seat available on that lifeboat. And as that lifeboat pulled away from that sinking ship for a second time, leaving the captain to go down with the ship, the captain yelled out to the boy, Son, never forget what's been done for you today. Never forget what's been done for you today. I would imagine that boy never ever forgot what was done for him today, that day. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, communion, it was His way of saying, never forget what God has done on the cross, what Jesus has done on the cross. Never forget the pain, the suffering, or the sacrifice. Do you realize through the broken bread, Jesus was symbolizing His body that He was willing to have broken for us to satisfy our hunger for salvation, to make a way when there was no way. In His brokenness, Jesus received our sin. And through the poured wine, Jesus shed His innocent blood for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins. Through His innocent blood, Jesus took all of our sins upon Him so that we could have eternal life. Amen? Could I have the ushers come for this morning's uh, communion? And I would like to invite everyone that's made Jesus Christ Lord of their life to share in this time of communion. I would also like to ask that you would hold on to your uh, communion Uh, elements until we've all been served. I want to pray over them and we will uh, take them together. But as they're serving you, I want you to listen to the words of this song. And I want you to worship God in your own way, in your own heart, for all His goodness, to never forget what He's done for each one of us. Jesus Messiah. If He isn't Lord of all, He wants to be Lord of our all. He wants to be everything. He wants to start with you the first of your day. He wants to start with you the last of your night. He wants to be there every breathing moment of our lives. And He couldn't have proved His love any greater than He did when He was willing to go to the cross. He willingly laid down His life 
He willingly knew he had the power and the strength to pick it back up again. But he willingly went through all the suffering. And we can't even imagine the suffering he went through. To die on a cross. But he knew it wasn't staying dead. He knew he was going to rise again. And you and I have hope. Because Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. He rose from the grave. But he paid for your sin and my sin. Today with this little wafer. It represents that body that was broken for you and me. That broken, that, that body that was willing to be broken for you and me. To give His all so that you and I could have forgiveness. So that you and I could have a promise of eternal life. So this morning, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask your blessing to be upon this little wafer that represents the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, that was willing to be broken for us. Today, Lord God, we as a congregation remember the gift that you gave through your Son and through the price that you paid Jesus on that cross to willingly give your body. So, Lord God, we share in this moment of communion, taking this bread today, asking that it would become all that you desire it to be in our lives. And I pray, Lord God, through this act of remembering, this act of communion with you today, that you would enrich our walk with you like never before. Draw us closer to your heart. I ask your blessing on this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most of us have, been, have heard that life is in the blood. If we didn't have any blood in us, we wouldn't be alive. The real life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross. He gave up everything for you and me. Shed that blood on the cross for our redemption, for the forgiveness of our sin. So Lord God, as we hold these cups in our hands, filled with grape juice this morning, representing your precious blood that was given, that was spilled and poured out for us. Lord, we thank you for your enormous sacrifice that we can't even begin to imagine that you would give your own blood. Lord, I pray your blessing to be upon this cup, Lord God, that it would become all that you desire it to be within our lives and that through this time of communion, communicating and communing with you, Lord God, you would draw our hearts in a closer relationship to you than ever before. I thank you for this cup, for the juice that represents your blood. I ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you've had time to put your cups into the cup holders, could I ask you to stand, please? And I want to close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for all that you are for all that you've done for us on the cross. We thank you for your life that lives on the inside of us every day. Lord, help us to make time for you in our busy lives. Help us to draw closer to you through times of reading your word, prayer and meditation, and through fellowship with other believers. Father, I pray that you would help us grow in our relationship with you so that we're able to recognize your voice, that still small whisper. Let our hearts commune with you and be close to you.
And from this day forward, be closer than ever before for your glory, praise, and honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.